Welcome to 2LO Rebooted, where we tell the stories of BBC design and engineering. I'm Bill Thompson. In this episode, we have a treat for aficionados of the history of broadcasting technology, as I got to step inside North 3, the fully reconditioned and functional outside broadcasting unit built for the BBC by Pi back in 1968 and carefully restored by Steve Harris. As I stepped aboard, I met BBC sound engineer Robin Stonestreet, who's one of the team that runs the show. And before I talked to Steve, I asked him to tell me something of its history. This is an outside broadcast vehicle, and it was designed by the BBC and then manufactured by Pi to the BBC specification. And this one was made in 1969, and it went out to cover mostly sporting events, things like um, Hickstead Rate or Aintree Racing or Wimbledon Tennis, football matches throughout the day, but also things like Songs of Praise or State Opening of Parliament, things like that. Or indeed the, the, the lesson of nine carols at, at uh, King's College Cambridge, where I might have seen it as an undergraduate. Yes indeed. yes, indeed. During that period, these would have been coming up from London to do that or possibly coming across from Birmingham. So, built to the BBC specification, what are its capabilities? Okay, so it was designed as a four-camera unit with the option for an additional fifth camera, although most of the time they were only equipped with four, and you could almost, with a little bit of extra effort, you could make that up to six cameras. So that was its limitation. With a 24-channel sound desk and a 14-button vision mixer. Right, and, and behind us you can see three monitors. Yes, yeah, so these is, we're in the vision area, or vision and engineering area. There would have been two vision engineers with a four-camera setup. Each engineer looks after two cameras, and they're responsible for making the, ca- making the camera work. Also, all of the, making the, all the alignment correct, and then for, during the programme, they would do the, the, the monochrome exposure. So they're setting black level and setting iris to make sure that the monochrome picture looks correct. In the middle between them is a vision supervisor, and he does all the colour balancing for all four of the cameras. So he's adjusting red and green and blue gains and blacks to make sure that the colours all match the same colour. And then how does the signal get from here? From here it goes into the production area, where the producer sits... Can at the we walk mi- down there? Yes, we can. Sorry, gentlemen. Can I squeeze in beside you? Yes. Okay, so here we've got a, a fairly traditional sort of production area with the, with well. desk and all the screens. Yes, we've got a, so it's, this is the, the first BBC linear layout which allowed the, the production team to have an eyeline contact with the, the sound person and the vision team, which had been copied from studios layouts where the space was not a problem. But in a vehicle, this was a, had been a previously had been a problem. So this is the first lot linear layout. So the vision mixer desk in the middle here would have been uh, operated by the producer. To his right would have been his production assistant, generally the secretary who would have also have uh, written the script if it was a scripted show, but they're in, and she's responsible for the timing of the show to make sure that we start on time and finish on time. And to the left would have been the engineering manager who would have all, done all of the engineering planning and organising to make sure that when the vehicle turned up it had power, it had a place to park, there was a, a means of getting the signal back to the studio centre. Those, those quite important details, really. Those little details that make it all work, yes. Yes, yes. somewhere to park. Yes. <laughs> and then further down, we've got the further sound Further down, desk. we've got the sound desk. So the sound supervisor would have been in there, and he's got a, a, a 24-channel mono desk, four-group desk, built by Pi. It's all on batteries. So in the event of a mains failure, the desk would have carried on. We could have carried on sound only. Oh, I see. So the idea is that you, 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 you panic run around like headless chickens for a bit, but the sound man, he's still there making it all go out so they can carry on in sound only. Right, and you just put up some sort of test card or we apologise for an interruption in service. That's right, yes. little test card up, so then we'll re- resume normal coverage. We'll resume shortly. Right. Where would the cameras have lived then? 
Well, the cameras didn't travel on the, the main outside broadcast vehicle. There was another lorry carrying the cameras and monitors for the commentators to watch and all the little bits and pieces like microphones and stands and clips and things. And then there was a third lorry which carried all the cables. So it's quite a circus before you start. And that, of course, um, there was no means of recording on the vehicle so if you wanted to record it you had to have another lorry that had a videotape recorder machine in it and if you wanted to transmit it then you had another van that had the transmitter on it and that probably needed uh, something called an eagle tower which allowed you to get over local buildings so that was another lorry and of course there's no power so we needed a generator this one little OB with one truck suddenly gen you know gets up to sort of six or seven very quickly you're right, I was imagining, oh, isn't it fantastic? You just drive up with this and suddenly you're on air. It's not quite that simple. It's not quite as simple uh, as turning up the satellite van and going live to the world, yes. Not as we can do today. And, and how many of these were actually built and in use? So this was nine that the BBC commissioned and Pi manufactured. Uh, and they say they went on and lasted till about the mid, mid to late 80s. And built in Cambridge? Built in Cambridge, yes, yes. So it's uh, an Albion chassis uh, with Bonnelac coachwork um, and then pie fit out, fit out throughout. It's, it's astonishing. Firstly, it's just an amazing space to be in. It, sort of, you know, it, it smells of the history of broadcasting. Secondly, it's still working. Yes, yes. It's taken about seven years for Steve, the owner, to uh, get it back up and from life. He'll tell you a bit about it. And, and Steve is here. I Steve wonder is if, here, yes. Yeah. Steve. Steve, I wonder if I could... Talk to you about this astonishing machine that, that, that's around us. What possessed you to take it on? Well, it was uh, it was a project I'd thought about doing for quite some time. I mean, I'm interested in old vehicles and uh, also uh, interested in the history of technology. Uh, so much so that I did actually open a museum in Chester, which was uh, open for seven years and we had thousands of visitors from all over the world and that was the Museum of um, Radio and TV Broadcasting. And uh, actually, in fact, when I closed, the most of the collection went to the BBC and now forms part of the BBC Heritage Collection. Uh, but I had worked in broadcasting previously. Amazon had been a studio engineer, and the, the prospect of um, trying to get something like this and get it working overcame the very difficult problems that uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, faced me like um, it had been uh, st it had been stored in a couple of different locations for the past 20 odd years part of the time outside part of the time inside in very damp sort of conditions and um, th there was a big problem just to get the vehicle moving. All the brakes were rusted up and the, the, uh, all the usual problems that you get with vehicles that have been lying in a shed for uh, 20 years. Mm. But not only that, of course, there was the electronics to consider and virtually nothing was still in working order because of just the ravages of time and, uh, and uh, everything. And so, so, so you had to strip it down, basically, to, to all the components and then, what, refurbish them, replace them? Well, it took uh, quite a few months, first of all, to actually get the vehicle operational. But, I mean, I had it brought brought up from the south of England uh, and then worked on it for quite a while to get the vehicle side of it working so as I could actually physically move it and then bring it back to, back to my base where I could then 
you know, work on the electronics. The good thing about the way these things are constructed is that it's all pretty much in modules. So you can take one part out and work on it on, on the bench and then bring it back and put it back in. But then, uh, you know, other than the infrastructure that, you, that you've got to do actually inside it, you can do quite a bit of it uh, rather than crouching on the floor, you know, struggling. You can take it in and put it on the bench and work on it. But... You say that. I notice that so on the floor beneath us there are lots of hatches. What 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 is beneath our feet? There's a lot of cabling under here. There's probably um, several miles of cables under here joining all the units together, and uh, these are accessible at various places, which look like there's plenty, but. You know, like believe me, when you're trying to either find sort, trace a cable or put a new one through, there don't seem to be enough holes to get at it. But uh, the whole thing is uh, obviously it was built here at Pie in Cambridge. You've done a magnificent job, and I mean, it's functional. As in, if we chose to, the BBC could send this out and receive the signal from it and broadcast it. Uh, in theory, yes. I don't think the viewers would be too happy with the quality of the pictures and the frequent breakdowns. They'd have to uh, have the uh, please do not adjust your set caption handy because uh, 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 just uh, obviously with the, the age of the gear and the fact that there are only three of us looking after something that would have had 40 people looking after it in its, in its heyday when it was only a few years old. And uh, even so, they, they you know didn't assume you know complacently that it would all work because uh, on this bench that I'm leaning on you know behind me this was a workbench and there's even a soldering iron in position here because they knew even when it was new they knew that things would go wrong and there would be some, somebody poised with their soldering iron and screwdrivers ready to uh, fix it so because uh, uh, if you're on an outside broadcast you are a long way away from your your colleagues Yes, yes. And, and how are you using it now? Is it an exhibition? Are you... We do various exhibitions. I mean, this uh, the thing here at the Pine Museum. Obviously, it's got um, um, quite a relevance here because it was built here and this was uh, one of the you know nine uh, of these um, trucks that were built for the BBC. And, uh, of course, this, the, uh, the world was looking on because the BBC were pioneers in colour. I mean, there were other countries didn't get colour until ten years later, some of them. And there was uh, still, when this came out, there was still a lot of conjecture as to which was the best system to use and all this sort of thing. So, they, they, you know, they were forging the way ahead when they started colour broadcasting in 67 so um, this really was the state of the art and when you think this was built 68 69 the same technology that's in here was the same sort of technology that was being used you know like by NASA for the moon landing yes yeah of course it's, it's the same age well thank you so much for, for giving me the chance to experience this this piece of BBC history in, in all its glory just just the sound of it around me is, is, is really comforting so thank you <laughs> okay thank you Thanks there to Steve Harris and Robin Stone Street. And you can find out a lot about North 3 over on the TV Outside Broadcast History website at tvobhistory.co.uk. And I got to look around North 3 at an event to mark the opening of a new permanent exhibition at the Cambridge Museum of Technology all about Pi, the electronics company that was founded in Cambridge in 1894 and taken over by Philips in 1967. Because Pi was a major supplier of cameras and transmission equipment and other kits to the BBC and other broadcasters, as well as making domestic radios and television. 
The exhibition has an excellent selection of old equipment and it's well worth a visit. As I say, it's at the Cambridge Museum of Technology on Cheddar's Lane in Cambridge. It opens on June the 7th, 2019. Although sadly North 3 won't be there as it was only visiting for the formal opening. Well, that's it for this D&E download from 2LO Rebooted. If you've got a story, then do get in touch with me, Bill Thompson.